0: All of a sudden, free speech is going to lead to the end of civilization. And, of course, we need the government to give us a disinformation governance board, which came out, you know, last week. I, I was away for a few days. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What in the heck is up, people? But if you follow my series there uh, on on Rumble, rumble.com, uh, rumble.com slash Tony Katz, the morning rumble, you heard me talk about the madness of it. The madness of a government-run agency to tell us what is or isn't disinformation, that we're supposed to somehow have this group of people that's going to help us understand what's being said. This is going to be part of Homeland Security. Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, admitting, oh, we had a bad rollout. But you see, you don't understand how good this is. So we set up essentially an internal working group. And I must say, um, that we could, we could have done a better job in communicating what it is and what it isn't. It's a working group that takes best practices with respect to our work that has been going on for years, mm-hmm. best practices on how to do that work, the work of addressing disinformation that presents a threat to the security of our country. If the government is telling you what the disinformation is, it's telling you because it's in the interest of the government. Right now, I have a government that tells me the foundations of the economics or the, or the economy is strong. Well, I don't believe that. If they, tell, if they go out there and they try and tell me, well, people saying this are wrong and people saying this aren't telling the truth or that right there is disinformation, you mean what you hear from, from me? Will they be saying, hmm, that Tony Katz, he's engaged in some disinformation because I disagree with them? That's not disinformation. The fear here should be the idea that somehow they believe in free speech when, of course, they don't. They believe in their speech and their speech alone. Which brings me to a piece over at Red State. You guys know I do a video series over at Red State, D.C. Outsider. You can get that. Use promo code CATS, Katz, K-A-T-Z, and get your discount as a VIP But it was from Susie Moore called A Long Way From Skokie. Oddly enough, it was the second time Skokie had come up in some conversations that I had. But the argument that Susie is making is about the idea of whether or not we as a society really, really favor and will protect free speech. Susie Moore joins us, deputy managing editor uh, for Red State, an attorney, uh, a guest and and fill-in host on uh, News Talk St. Louis in St. Louis, where uh, this show runs on on weekends. Uh, and and Susie, people don't know uh, when I run into people this story of Skokie, Illinois, in in the late seventies. So. Uh, take us through what took place in Skokie and why this is such a free speech milestone conversation.
1: Thanks, Tony. Um, it's one of those
0: cases that... The- All right, we're going to get with Susie in just a second. That's a absolutely horrific conversation, we'll, or co- connection, I should say. Uh, we'll get with her. Um, the Skokie story is one of Nazis. The Skokie story is the idea that you had these Nazis who wanted to rally in Skokie, Illinois. Now, me, not a fan of uh, of Nazis and if I had it with me I'd be like I I'd, I'd be playing my I hate Illinois Nazi sounder from from Blues Brothers. Nobody wanted this to take place. No one. But these Nazis, uh, Susie, and I'm glad we've got a better connection now, they want to get together and have a rally in Skokie, Illinois. Take it from there.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tony. Yeah, this was one of those cases that I remembered from my long-ago law school days. It stuck out with me because because it was exactly the principle that free speech is is grounded in, and that was protecting even the most repugnant of speech. The Nazis wanted to hold a demonstration in Skokie, which is a— sort of in in the northern suburbs of Chicago, and it's actually a heavily Jewish population there. And they wanted to hold this demonstration there. And as you might imagine, the people of the village of Skokie were not very pleased with this. They wanted to see if there was a way to shut it down. So they went about it in a couple different ways to try and prevent the demonstration from happening. Ultimately, there were several different lawsuits that arose out of it. And it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court basically told the lower courts in Illinois, look, you guys didn't give – This the proper attention in as quick a manner as you needed to because this was about trying to restrain speech before it happens. That requires you to take a really quick look at it. The courts have to act quickly here and not just wait for it to kind of unfold because otherwise the damage is already done. If you restrain the speech before it ever and it's never allowed to happen then you've done the damage more or less. Um, So ultimately the Illinois Supreme Court said yeah, you know um, this is this is speech that needs to be protected, even if they're going to be marching with swastikas. That's still not fighting words, and need, the demonstration needs to be allowed to have
0: happen. So it really brings us, Susie, to this idea that though we may find it repulsive, repulsive mm-hmm. is not prevented. And what we have today is an entire society that wants to state, well, that harms me because I don't like it. It hurts me, so therefore it can't be allowed. Two very different things.
1: Very different things. We've gone very far afield from the "sticks and stones I can break my bones" concept that you and I probably were raised on. Instead, we have a whole segment of our society that def- that definitively believes speech is violence. Speech that they don't agree with is violence and harmful.
0: Talking to Susie Moore, a deputy managing editor over at redstate.com uh, dot com. Uh- the the sticks and stones conversation is is one that applies because people, uh, among, amongst college campuses and others, want to use this I- idea of harm. But the the Skokie fight was a real one. I mean, there were people who were upset with the ACLU when mm-hmm. they actually did protect free speech. Uh, in in the day, there were people who wanted to pull funding. There was massive uh, pressure groups, but it 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 showed the the strength of the nation. And the strength of the first amendment in that these people got their way they were able to engage in whatever uh protest they did and no one has thought about them again you know if if we want to argue that that the neo-nazis are the biggest problem we have they were marching in skokie and got forgotten about because well there aren't as many of them as people like to play when you, uh, throughout your, your your law career, or having the, the law background and being engaged in these conversations, when you bring up something like Skokie, do they do they recognize that there is a principle in allowing people to speak, even if it's despicable?
1: No, not really. I mean, most people aren't going to be familiar with it because this was from you know forty years ago. Um, 40 plus years ago. So unless they're law geeks, that sort of thing, they, and, or they you know, lived in the area during the time, it doesn't really ring a bell with them. And that's why it felt, I felt inspired to write the article, because we are a long way from Skoku. We are a long way from this, this kind of given idea that even when it's speech we don't agree with and we don't like, that's when we have to, to, to really dig in and, and protect it. And there's an interesting postscript to that story, by the way, they ultimately didn't end up holding the march in Skokie. They went ahead and got permits and did it in Chicago anyway, but there were anti um, Nazi demonstrations in Skokie. And it was just, it really kind of exemplified the whole concept of free speech and why it's so important to protect it. But then ultimately, the people of Skokie, um, kind of in response to this, erected a Holocaust museum. And the Illinois Holocaust Museum now sits in Skokie. And it, it was a direct outgrowth of this
0: whole conversation these are the things that happen because rational people and better people you know they 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 do things to to make things better uh the free speech conversation of course exploding because of of elon musk and and we're seeing now this move from the administration with the disinformation governance board now there, there's a question of whether or not something is allowed because an agency can have something versus whether or not they would have any effect. As you've gone over this, can a disinformation governance board have any legitimate effect on how speech of, let's say, a radio host is moved across the country?
1: You know, it can. It can. I mean, we don't we don't even know yet how they were particularly expect or planning on rolling this out and how they would be implementing it. But there's the chilling effect. Remember the chill wind speech from <laughs> Tim Roberts <laughs> all those years ago? I mean, when you have the idea that there's this government body and entity that's going to be looking at speech specifically with an eye towards disinformation information and that, that could have repercussions, that's going to have a chilling effect. That's going to make people and um, um, news outlets Concerned about okay, is the government going to censor this? Or are they going to censor that? It's it's just kind of a, a a dangerous step towards the land of censorship.
0: You, by the way, I, I, I it took me for like a good good second there to be like chill wind speech you're talking about the actor tim robbins a chill yeah. wind is blowing in this nation a message mm-hmm. is being sent through the white house and its allies and talk radio and clear channel in cooperstown if you oppose this administration there can and will be ramifications so this goes back to 2003 uh, i didn't get the memo uh, that uh, i w- i was somehow instructed by the white house during the trump days or any days to engage in ramifications
1: right right but that was the concern being raised by the left then. And now turnabout. <laughs> we're we're one eighty from
0: there. So the the, the the turnabout conversation, this push for this, people like um, like Brian Stelter saying, What's the big deal? Jen Psaki saying, I don't know who's actually opposed to this, you would you would get the feel, the belief that anybody who labels themselves a Democrat one way or another is totally fine with this. But as we've seen on the free speech conversation, even before this, whether it be an Andrew Sullivan or a Glenn Greenwald or a Barry Weiss, Barry Weiss is certainly not a a, a conservative. There are plenty of people very, very concerned about free speech. There's no doubt that Bill Maher and I disagree about a great number of things. We agree that we should be able to say and state the things that we disagree about. So... Is there a thought as to as as you guys have been researching it? All right, I don't do the the journalism part of even though it's mostly commentary at Red State. I don't I I just do my video series and try and stay out of you know the real work over there. Uh, <laughs> has there been a has there been a note or 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 a or a thread of? Uh, members of the Democratic Party who still want to see themselves as Democrats and not progressives saying this is back crap crazy. As Kira Davis will often discuss, uh, you know, liberals who are like, you're going to turn me into a conservative if you keep this crap up.
1: (laughs) There are. There are some. Tulsi Gabbard comes to mind. Um, I know she's kind of persona non grata in the Democrat Party anymore, but she is still a Democrat. Um, You've given examples of celebrities that kind of fall into that camp. Dave Chappelle comes to mind, too. Now, I don't know what his politics are directly, but he's certainly been a champion of free speech and he's definitely somebody who's well-known in the culture. Um, So you're seeing, you are seeing some pushback from maybe what we might consider unlikely quarters in terms of people, you know, fighting for their respective teams. Um, But not enough. I mean, it's alarming to me that there aren't more voices coming out of our elected officials, particularly on the the right, but, but even on the left saying, hey, wait a second what is it you're doing here? Why are we going to be doing this? What is it going to achieve? And how is this even possibly constitutional? Those questions should be raised.
0: Susie Moore, redstate.com. You can check out the article for yourself, a long way from uh, Skokie. Susie, I I appreciate you being with us. uh, Outside of this, I I must I must say cuz I mean I know I've dug dug into it today right I know it, it and it's it's been a a subject uh for sure something worthy of discussion um if if I'm being asked uh to what extent would you fight something like this uh the the answer is with everything in me including my career it should not be left unsaid that this is just something that is Silly. Something that's just pathetic. Uh, I, I, I would be lying if I didn't share this as something that I thought of as so remarkably dangerous that I look at the people who support it and I state clearly they shouldn't be allowed to operate heavy machinery. These are ignorant, dangerous people that I do draw a line in the sand. As a matter of fact, I never understood why I shouldn't. I do it with communists. If you're a communist, you're, you're not my friend. If you're somebody who believes that there should be a government agency that, that dictates and decides what is information and what is false, you're not, you're not worth knowing. And I want to say this on a very personal level. Now, I'm pretty sure it doesn't affect you. Right. Our relationship will go on fine, but it's going to affect some. This is a different conversation than do we as a society engage limits on free speech. Well, that's a conversation and an intellectual pursuit and one worthy of discussion, though, as I said, I find myself mostly erring on the idea of of free speech absolutism. That is usually where I default to, but I'm up for the conversation. I don't have a problem with them. If you favor government dictating what is speech, well then, um, it's, it's not that I'm sorry we have to go our separate ways. I'm sorry that that person is so despicable, and I'm glad we can go our separate ways, because I plan on fighting you with everything in me. What you believe in, what they believe in, What they believe in, I'm sorry. Uh, There's nothing American in that, and the fight is all we have left. I'm Tony Katz.